well, hello again. Thank you for returning for another episode. This episode I titled Take Me or Leave Me. If you've ever seen the musical Rent, then you're familiar with the song. But if not, I will put the artist um, when I put the bio up for this episode. Because uh, it is now June. Well, it's June when I record this. I don't know when you're going to hear it, but It is June and it's Pride Month and as a openly, I guess I can say, because I'm doing it on a podcast, as an openly bisexual Black woman, every day is filled with pride for me. And one thing I can proudly say, (laughs) no pun intended, is that there are a lot of LGBTQ characters in horror films. Um, I mean, there is a lot, and I'm I'm glad for it. And I'm on this particular episode. I'm going to be discussing a few of my favorites, just to kind of shine a spotlight on the ones that stick out to me or kind of resonate with me. Characters are in horror that are uh, queer centric or um, LGBTQ plus characters in horror films, I I really would like to know, um, and I usually always say that at the end, but I figured I'd throw it in there at the beginning, just so I don't want to get a bunch of, hey, you never covered this person, so you guys should, you should be familiar with my spiel on that. If I don't get to yours, it's not on purpose, I'm just picking a few that kind of stick with me. And I want to start out with one most people might be familiar with this character just because uh, this character was rebooted um, a couple of years ago on a uh, Netflix series. And the character that I wanted to talk about is Theodora or Theo. And she is in the film The Haunting. And I'm talking about the uh, 1963 version Theo in this film, um, she she is a lesbian, uh, not an evil one or a lethal predatory <laughs> lesbian, which is typically how they showcased uh, women that were lesbian back in the day in film. And um, for this time period, you know, 1963, that was extremely rare that, you know, she wasn't a, a predator or, or any kind of um, murderous woman. And I love the character of Theo because she's invited to the Hill House um, because she has psychic abilities. And she's also assisting in a paranormal research. And um, I always like those settings when they have paranormal kind of activities. And it's a favorite of mine simply because it's, it's a great haunted house movie. But the character Theo, I think the reason I loved her so much when I watched this film is she has such a a commanding presence and she's probably one of the great highlights of the film. You know, she has a really strong camaraderie um, with the character now in the movie. She's very protective of her. Um, I, I really loved that the performance that was done by, I think the actress is Claire Bloom. Um, she just, I don't know, she made Theo come to life. And, you know, reading the books is one thing, but seeing it on screen, I I don't know, I just gravitated toward her, especially in the 63 version. There's something about the, the black and white 
film and and horror that always kind of just sticks with me. And I think maybe because I've watched those more um, growing up with my mom, watching those type of horror films. But in the 1999 version, we have the 1999 remake, you know, when they were remaking a lot of these old um, castle films, they did like um, House on Haunted Hill was one and um, The Haunting um, was one. So in the 1999 version, we get Catherine Zeta-Jones and she plays Theo. And, and once again, her version of Theo, I love too. Her her version is really, um, she's larger than life. She's very glamorous. And I mean, it's Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> she's gonna, she's gonna be glamorous, right? But um, in this version, they make Theo bisexual. So, you know, she makes a comment like, you know, my boyfriend didn't like it. And my girlfriend doesn't like it either. Um, which I thought was kind of, you know, cool. You know, they they broadened her um, sexuality a little bit more. But we get this character once again for the third time. And uh, Netflix had a 2018 The Haunting of Hill House series. And I don't know. I, I love the 63 version, but but the Netflix uh, version of Theo might might ink it out just a little bit more. It might inch out just a little bit more um, because it's portrayed by the amazing Kate Siegel. Um, and even though that 63 version, that version of Theo was going to always have a special place in my heart, I really love Kate's take on this character. Um, she's very strong. Once again, you know, similar to the 63 version of Theo, she's very... Um, She's compassionate, but her heart gets broken a lot. Her psychic ability gets in the way of a lot of relationships. And um, it's, a, it's a really cool performance. If you haven't seen that, you should really check it out. So let's see. So the, for the 1963 version, because you know I always want to tell you guys where you can watch it, right? The 1963 version, you can see that actually on HBO Max if you have that subscription service and you can also rent it on either Apple TV or Amazon for $2.99 and it looks like the $19.99 version is available on Amazon if you have a premium subscription or you can rent it on Apple TV for $3.99 rental fee. The last version, of course, is streaming on Netflix because, you know, duh, it's a Netflix original. So that's why you can stream it there. Uh, let's see. So that's my first one. I go to my next. Y'all know how I am with my list. So since I started with the 60s, let's move on to the 70s. And I will say Rocky Horror Picture Show. 1975 is when this came out. God, 1975, how old was I? I was four. <laughs> but I can just say, um, I didn't watch it when I was four, but I can say that when I did watch it, um, this, I realized this is probably one of the queerest movies, queerest horror movies ever made, at least for that time period. And I still think it's probably one of the queerest movies ever made. But uh, Richard O'Brien, a.k.a. Riff Raff, and his hunchback <laughs> co-wrote this screenplay with Jim Sharman. And I think I remember seeing a lot of interviews where he said, um, Richard O'Brien said that it stemmed from his own 
sexuality, the trying to process where he was sexually, and his love of B-movies, sci-fi, um, and it also is one of my favorites simply because it's a musical. Um, as much as I love musicals, I mean, as much as I love horror and as much as I love Westerns, musicals is probably in my top five, <laughs> my top five genres of things. So for this to have um, horror and sci-fi and campy comedy and be a musical and have Tim Curry, shit, man, I was I was sold on that. That was like the best thing ever uh, once I once I got onto this movie. And um, Dr. Frankenfurter, <laughs> which y'all know, I, I love Tim Curry. It, he He's everything. I, I think I've seen Tim Curry since I was a little kid, and I think I've loved literally everything he's ever touched his hand on. Um, but the doctor, Dr. Frankenfurter, is the character that I'm, I'm talking about for this list, and he is probably the most over-the-top, maddest of the fucking mad scientists. And man, his powers of seduction, unparalleled. Like, that that's a goal, you know? You, you just, he's working that power, and he's seducing and slaying ass left to right. I mean, it worked on the most whitest of the white vanilla <laughs> couple in the whole world, Brad and Janet. And uh, let's face it, you know, they are the the basic vanilla, like not even French vanilla or vanilla bean. They are the most vanilla couple ever. And he managed to get both of them in the bed. I I, I can't tell you how much I loved it. And as a younger as a younger viewer, the first couple of times I watched it, I didn't really get it. I was like, okay, so he's sleeping with him. But I wasn't thinking sexually. I was like, oh, he's just sleeping with him. And then as I got old, I was like, oh, he's sleeping with him. Uh, <laughs> it made a big difference. But through all of the campiness of that character and, you know, all of his his ranting and raving and kind of just being overbearing and egomaniac, uh, you know, he, he really, I guess for all of that bravado, he really just wanted deep down a lover of his own. And he wanted to be happy. I think that that's probably why that resonates a lot with a lot of queer um, people in the community, because that's all you want. You want to be accepted and you want somebody to love you for you. And, you know, he goes out of his way to make a man, to, to make someone to love him. And then we also have, you know, at least my favorite kind of mantra is don't dream it be it you know I I love I love that film for being so brave um for that time and also I love that film because it still to this day no matter how many times I watch it it makes me laugh until my sides give out um but Dr. Frankenfurter is one of my favorites um yeah he's murderous that's one thing I don't like a lot of horror films, you know, when you see them, if they're a lesbian or they're a gay man or whatever, they, they're almost always nine times out of 10, either evil or murderous or I, I had to let that go with the Rock Hair Picture Show. Cause I mean, he had, he had a method and a reason behind his madness. I'll, I will at least give him that. Um, 
but it's still an iconic character and I, I know it's because of Tim Curry and I just love him so much and as most people do we all love Tim Curry but for me um Frank Verter says a lot he's got a lot going on as that little sweet transvestite and let's see so the Rocky Horror Picture Show you know I, I'm, I'm looking it up while I'm talking to you sorry I should have done this before right but yeah I, I just fly on the seat of my goddamn pants um, Rocky Horror Picture Show is available for rental on Amazon Prime and Apple TV. It looks like they're both, um, the price for both of those services is $3.99. So, I mean, who hasn't seen it by now? Who doesn't own it by now? But if you don't, that's where you go. Uh, let's see. So the next horror character that I want to talk about actually isn't a gay horror character but but there's a big ass but (laughs) big ass but y'all uh the homoerotic subtext in this movie cannot be denied however having said that (laughs) the star of this film is not only a final boy that i left off my final boy episode um if depending on how you listen to these i had a final final boy episode and I left this one off by accident I did not mean to leave this off and I was kicking myself after I recorded it but you know fuck it it's it, sometimes you just forget shit even when you have lists um he actually is however gay in real life and this character that I've now built up way too fucking much and I'm gonna get to now is Jesse Walsh, and this is from A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Now, this film came out in 1985, and the actor is the first, I can safely, I think, say the first and best male screen queen, and Mr. Mark Patton. And Patton was actually in the closet during this time, during the time of making this movie, I think, in my humble horror nerd opinion, it was an extremely bold choice in a slasher film and in a slasher film sequel in this horror franchise to have a male lead be stalked by Freddy Krueger instead of our traditional damsel in distress. I mean, we have a dude in distress, but, you know, that's rare. That's a rare goddamn thing because... You know, with the Friday the 13th franchise, we just kind of lather and repeat. It's always a chick getting uh, chased by Jason. And I was wowed by that because I think by the time I saw the, the second one, the Freddy part two, I didn't expect it to be a, a final boy at all. So one, that was a pleasant surprise. Two, my God. Can Mark Patton scream? That man screams better than any any final girl <laughs> that I've seen in I don't know how long. Um, so it just so happens that Jesse and his family move into Nancy's house from the first Nightmare on Elm Street. And in this one, Freddie figures out he needs a body to cross over into the real world so he can wreak havoc, not just in our dreams, but in our in our regular day. Um, so number one, gay subtext is rampant in this film. 
Number two, where can I start? Uh, let's see. We have the intensely close friendship between him and Grady, who's played by Robert Ressler. And I have already revealed my my super crush on him when I talked about the unconventional horror weapons and we were talking about Vamp. I really have a crush on Robert Ressler. Like, if he were to be at a horror convention, I don't know if I could even go in the vicinity of where this man is. Not to mention he also was in Weird Science with Robert Downey Jr. So what can I say? I I, I got a crush. Um, and I've already revealed that. And y'all know I got a lot of horror crushes. And you're going to hear me probably gush about more of them for episodes to come. Just, just lay back and take it like I normally tell you. It ain't going to hurt. Just a tip. Um, <laughs> that, can you tell I'm going to be recording a sex episode shortly? <laughs> I keep using all of these sexual innuendos and euphemisms. But anyway, uh, so number one, he got a super, super close friendship with uh, his friend Grady. Uh, we've also got the horrible, awful, mean gym teacher who <laughs> we end up seeing in a gay bar and he happens to pick up Jesse. Um, lots of shirtless men and, and lots of underwear scenes. Uh, Freddie needs to be inside Jesse. I mean, there's a, there's a whole plethora to uncover here, but the character of Jesse is really such a delight to watch and I I know that it's a hundred percent because of Mark Patton's performance like period hands down um one of one of the best male screen queens I've I've seen I guess we could call him a screen scream king can we can we do that or is queen still fine I don't know um I'm here for it either way so uh, let's see where the, we can watch this movie. So, da, da, da. if you subscribe to HBO Max, it is scre- streaming on that service. Uh, I keep saying Scream because I'm thinking of Scream Queens. <laughs> uh, so, it, it is streaming on HBO Max if you subscribe to that service. And it is on Amazon and Apple TV for a rental fee of $3.99. So, you know, if you haven't seen it, you, you should probably give it a whirl. Uh, I'm not doing it justice with all of the homoerotic, homoerotic stuff that's in it. Homoerotic. What am I thinking about? Um, when you watch it, you'll you'll be like, your mouth will be open. Like, really? Really? And the director swears at, at the time, I think he said, oh, no, I that wasn't intentional. But it, it, some of the stuff, there's no way it was not intentional. You You just got to see it in order to really <laughs> some of the stuff I saw I was just like huh um as a young person and then you know ha- I don't know I'm just saying this like you can't you can't answer me but have you ever watched a movie when you were younger or in a different frame of mind and then maybe a couple of years later you go back and you watch it and it's like all of the light bulbs <laughs> go off in your head that's what happened to me when I watched this movie I was like what in the world that I just watched. And then years later I watched it and I go, oh, that's gay. That's a that's a lot of gay subtext we got going on here. So, um, and by the way, just throwing this out there, 
Mark Patton is such a gem. He is so sweet. Uh, just watching him interact with fans and people on social media. Um, he's probably one of my favorites. And I hopefully one day when I get to a horror convention, hopefully I, I'll be able to meet him because I, I would love to to just talk to him and let him know how how awesome he is to all of the fans that he has. And he just he just seems like such a sweet person. I know that's, the, I don't know these people, but they, sometimes you can tell, you, you can sometimes tell when you look at uh, people who have been in horror films or in movies and you're like, ah, that guy's a dick. Or you can look at somebody and be like, that chick's a bitch. And with Mark Patton, it's just literally like, oh my gosh, you're so sweet. I love you. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm serious. Some people you can get a little a little radar about him and and he's never come across as you know being one of those people that you could not approach if you were you know just a fan he he seems to be very grateful for the path that he's gone down and and how much people love him so definitely one of the top final boys that I should have had on my um, episode talking about those final boys and I'm glad I got to rectify that wrong right here uh let's see we've got a few more to go oh okay so a recent favorite character of mine is from another netflix series uh it was called fear street or the fear street trilogy and this was this came out back in 2021 and it's all about a group of teenagers who have to deal with an ancient evil in their town that's kind of been ongoing for centuries. And the character in this story that I love is Dina Johnson. And she's played by, hope I don't butcher her name, Kiana Madeira. And she's going through a terrible breakup with her girlfriend. But due to a prank that then turns into an unfortunate accident, Dina and her brother, Josh, and her now ex-girlfriend Sam and all of their friends have to battle the curse of Sarah Fire or Fear. I can't remember. Well, I'm guessing it's Fear because it's Fear Street. Duh. Uh, <laughs> battles the curse of Sarah Fear, a witch from colonial time. And there are also some ghosts or some slasher ghosts as well that are in this um, kind of Scooby-Doo-esque mystery because they're actually trying to find the origin or or why their town is plagued with the absolute worst luck and all of these killers and there's a lot of um almost like some kind of goonies action and friday the 13th slasher and it's a really really cool ride i had i had probably zero intention to watch this when i heard about it and I heard some people talking about it and kind of like, uh, it was okay. After I watched the first part, um, which I think is 1994, maybe, um, I was hooked and then I had to finish it. It was a really great trilogy to watch, you know, don't, don't get stuck in it and, you know, start it out and go, oh, this is no good. It, it was, it was nice. And it was refreshing to see characters of color, um, doing this. Uh, Dina is a lesbian of color, and I was um, 
really happy to see her and her brother. Her brother was <laughs> kind of the uh, the nerdy guy, but he was the guy in the chair. You know, he did all of the research and the historical stuff, um, all of the the legwork about what was going on with this town. And I never get to see too many black nerds. <laughs> so when I do, I get like really excited. Um, but it was really a cute series. At the end of it, between, you know, the murders and the slashers and witches curses and colonial times after all of that it really comes down to two girls in love they you know they they just want to be together and for me personally it was an extremely fun watch i definitely will be revisiting that it'll probably become like a new october tradition in my house just because it was um a fun ride from start to finish and there are a lot of familiar Netflix faces that pop up on a few episodes, but, you know, um, I, I enjoyed it. It really, <laughs> I said Scooby-Doo-esque because that's what it feels like. You have to put all the clues together to figure out what's going on. And when you do, it's kind of like, oh shit, that, that makes perfect sense. So I'm not going to spoil that for you, but obviously if I said it's a Netflix film series, you know where the fuck it's streaming. Netflix. I... I highly, highly uh, suggest that you give it at least a whirl. If you watch it and you don't like it, you can tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> but for for me personally, I I love the love story throughout it. Um, it was it was really nice to see that this girl and her friends and her brother they they braved a lot of things and and it really is after all of that, underneath all of that, it really is a, a love story too. So Fear Street Trilogy, Netflix, check it out. I think I think you would enjoy it. At least I hope you will. So next on my list, we have May. And May was a film that came out in 2002. I absolutely love this quirky horror film, mostly, well, partly due to Angela Bettis' performance and partially due to Lucky McKee's direction. I mean, it's kind of like a really good PB&J sandwich. Like they both mesh together very well. And I just eat that shit right on that. Just food metaphors, I must be getting hungry. Um, <laughs> so May, uh, May Canada is, she's shy. She's an introvert. Uh, she has no friends and she had a horrible childhood due to the fact that she has a lazy eye. Now I don't have a lazy eye, but I can, I can identify with most of that. I have a few friends. I could probably count them on one hand that I really consider friends. And, um, I love this movie and I love this character because, uh, she has, I don't know, she's shy, you know, she's shy and she's quiet and she's an, an outcast and, you know, People don't really give her the time of day. Um, she's had a few crushes. She has a a short-lived lesbian relationship with a co-worker. And she just also happens to uh, use body parts and assemble a friend of her very own <laughs> from her various lovers and uh, friends. I don't know... Um, when I first saw this, I, I didn't know what to make out of it. And some parts of it makes me made me think of pieces, more the assembling of the person. I guess that's that's the part that I kind of 
compared the two, but May is such a tortured character. And honestly, I felt every bit of her sadness. She is an outcast and she's just somebody who's looking to have that connection with Um, her being, I don't even know if I would say she was a lesbian because she was trying to be in a relationship with um, Jeremy Sisto. I wish I could remember his character's name. And honestly, it's Jeremy fucking Sisto. I try to be in a relationship with him too, but I digress. Um, She is a favorite queer character for me in horror because at least I'm speaking for myself, being a, a queer person, it can feel that way. You can feel like an outcast and how I feel that way as a black woman. Uh, sometimes you just feel like like an other. Um, she's just looking to, to have someone that she can find that connection with and have someone to love her. You just want someone to love you and want to be with you for you. And, you know, sad to say, sometimes us weird kids, we we find those special people, and but sometimes we don't. Um, it's it's a horrible thought, you know. It's a it's we we can't we find our tribe when we find them, and when we find them, you know, I talk to a lot of people on social media, but when, and when I find those people, I like to cherish them, and I don't want to let them go. Because it's rare when you find people who are on the same wavelength as you or that don't want anything from you but you. Uh, and I, so May, I, I love her. She's she's sad and, you know, I empathize with her a lot because everybody has those times where they just feel like they don't fit in. And uh, it's a it's a heartbreaker of a of a film but I absolutely love it. And I think it's because Angela Bettis brings like such sweetness to her sadness and you feel real, you feel really bad for her. You just want to, you just want to make everything right for her. And so May, you know, decides to make a friend and she's, she's going to some real gross and gruesome lengths to make that friend, but she, she does. She she puts things together like a puzzle piece and uh, just wants somebody to be there for her. And uh, as as tragic as it is, uh, you know, she she gets what she wants. She does get a friend. But um, I still feel bad for her, even though she's doing terrible things. I still feel really bad for her. It's. It's one of my favorite ones to watch. I don't watch it often, but it, it hits you when you watch it. So let's see. I, I can tell you I absolutely love it. I, I can't tell you how much I love it. Um, so May is streaming for free on Pluto TV and also for free on Tubi. Good old Tubi. That's the first time I've given Tubi a shout out <laughs> this episode. I'm usually like always on tubes dick at some point like Tubi, you gotta go watch on Tubi. so let's see oh so oh i really did have a short list this time y'all so the last one on my list is bell from fright night part two and this film came out in 1988 and i'm just gonna say i love 
that character, Belle. Not that I don't have a huge crush, crush on Julie Carmen, but this character, who is so amazing to watch, uh, Belle, and, and I found it funny, Belle, Belle doesn't say one word in this entire film. And Belle's played by Russell Clark, who really just has so much facial expressions, like his expressions speak for him. <laughs> he doesn't have to say anything because you can see everything on his face. Like he's, everything just comes telegraphed across those expressions. Um, you know, he's everything. He's ferocious and he's lustful and he's hungry. He's simply just fucking fierce as all get out. Plus, wait a minute, how did I even leave out the fucking roller skates? I mean, <laughs> Who who has a roller skating vampire in their film? I, I I don't I don't know. This I don't even know how I forgot that. But Clark is also he was a uh, chore, choreographer and he uh, did a lot of what's the word? I can never say that. I feel like when I when I say it in my head it sounds good and when I try to say it in my mouth it's like bitch you can't say that. <laughs> so he choreographed. He was a choreographer of. A lot of the fight scenes in this, um, a lot of the, you know, I guess fights or bites scenes in this film. So he also um, did a lot of choreography for music videos way back in the day. Um, for the few that I know about are Michael Jackson and David Bowie, but I think he's done it for a lot of people, maybe Queen Latifah. Um, I think... I think Fight Night 2, uh, the 88 version, I think it's really underrated. Not a lot of people talk about it, and I wish they would. And I also really wish we had more of a backstory on how I, I want to, I need it. I need more story. <laughs> Somebody tell me. Um, so let's see here. Oh, I'm sorry. So I forgot to say this. So sadly, Russell Clark did pass away, but... Honestly, this performance is still, in my, once again, humble, horror nerd opinion, one of the best and one of the most strong queer characters in horror. It also gets a bonus point for me because he is a vamp of color. I love when we have vampires of color and they're not, like, bad. <laughs> I love when they're good. And this is probably the creme de la creme. Only thing I wish, I wish, I wish Belle had lines, but like I said, you know, those facial expressions are fucking to die for. I, you know, sometimes, sometimes your face says everything. And as I always throw in there at somebody, I'm a Taurus, my face doesn't lie. So sometimes when you have those faces that are just, you can read what's on their mind without them saying a word, fuck, fuck a duck. That's some good performance shit right there. So let me see. Right Night Part 2. Unfortunately, this is not streaming anywhere, any fucking where. And I could not find it to buy on DVD unless you want to pay an exorbitant amount of money, which most people probably don't. So you may have to either borrow a copy from a friend or maybe go to one of those pirate sites that I know nothing about um, to, to watch the magnificent bell in the sequel to... Fright Night. So 
that was my short list and my short ass episode, but there's always a but. That's about as Southern as I get, but I do have one honorable mention, um, and this is one from the small screen, but nevertheless, it's one of my favorite queer characters and horror ever. You spell Eva however you want, E-V-A-H or whatever floats your boat. And that character is one Mr. Lafayette Reynolds in HBO's True Blood. Now, in the books, Lafayette dies in the second novel. And I only got to maybe like four or five novels in before I stopped reading. But I was so glad when I watched the show that they did not kill this character off because we would have been missing out on the brilliance of the late Nelson Ellis. That man made that character live and breathe in a way that I did not expect to see. And um, what I love about Lafayette is he's a short order cook. He's very loudly out and very loudly proud. And he doesn't take shit from anybody. And there was a scene on the very first season. And hell, it might have been the very first episode. I don't even remember. But it's been a long time since I've watched that show. Um, where someone complained about his his cooking. They said they didn't want to eat it. They didn't want an AIDS burger. And, you know, just proceeded to say all of these terrible things. And he literally came out there with his his earrings in his ear and his makeup on and his nails painted and he's like I'm the cook you're gonna fucking eat what I make it bitch if I make it you gonna eat it and (laughs) my jaw dropped I was dead he didn't say that exactly verbatim if you go and watch that scene I guarantee you I already knew that he was gonna be my favorite character on the show after I saw that that scene alone kind of solidified that this was going to be a very different image of Lafayette from the books and that it was going to be a very different image of what people's perception of what a gay character would be. Um, Because, you know, when he comes in, he's very flamboyant and you think he's just going to be kind of sassy and say little quips, but no, Lafayette was about to kick this motherfucker's ass Um, and proceeds to beat, I think, three rednecks up at the table because of his food, because of their comment about him and his sexuality. So um, he just brought a whole lot of humor and yeah, he did bring the sass, but he brought a lot of heart to it too, to that character. And, and sadly, Nelson Ellis is not with us, but his acting prowess is, is sorely missed because he was outstanding. I think he may have been him and a few other characters, a few other actors and uh, the characters that they portrayed it's probably the only thing keeping me watching when I wanted to quit watching HBO's True Blood because some of somewhere along the line, I know I'm going to get some hate for this, somewhere along the line, like Walking Dead, they just lost their way and I lost interest. But he was never one of those things. I, I always loved that character. And um, if you if you haven't seen that performance, give yourself, you don't have to watch the whole show, the whole run. But at least watch that first season until you get to that scene. Because I'm telling you, my jaw dropped. And I was like, God damn, this is a brilliant ass character. I love this. Keep this shit going. 
Um, so that was my one honorable mention because I didn't want to drone on too much. And I, I tend to do that. <laughs> so so I, I try to make notes and I try to have specific things so I don't ramble. But I hope you guys don't mind the rambling. Sometimes it just happens. So wrapping up this episode, um, I just wanted to let you know the reason I named or titled this this particular episode, Take Me or Leave Me, is that's how I feel when it comes to people judging the sexuality of others. Well, that's how I feel in general when people judge anything about other people, because one, it's not your place to judge, two, mind your fucking business. But because it is Pride Month, and this is the month when every company has a rainbow flag and they're an ally, be an ally all year long, motherfucker. Don't wait until June. You know people need help in the alley, the allies, they need that all fucking year, right? Like, it's not just, oh, it's June. This is the time we say that we support you. Just support them all the time and keep your mouth shut. I don't give a fuck if you add a rainbow to anything. Just be there when people need you. Um, so take me or leave me is how I feel. Uh, what people do in their lives, what they do in their bedrooms is of no fucking concern to you unless you are with that person, unless it affects you directly, who people love and share their life, who, who they choose. Well, let me, let me word this carefully because I don't want anybody coming at me. Who people love and who they share their life with has nothing, nothing, I repeat, nothing at fucking all to do with you unless you are in a relationship with that person. A person's sexual orientation is their own fucking business and it's their life. So take it or leave it. And honestly, I'm at the, uh, I'm from the old school of growing up where your elders used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything. Yeah, if you have nothing positive to say, then keep it to yourself. Life is hard. Life is fucking hard enough without people judging who you happen to be mashing your naughty bits with. And yeah, that's 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 how I feel. And um who you want to share your life with, they, you know, don't, don't judge people for that. You, you really want to, you want to check your own backyard before you go stomping in all over with your muddy feet in someone else's yard. And if it's at all possible, be an ally. Cause if you see something is wrong, you need to be responsible and speak up. You need to help your fellow human being because while we're on this blue marble that's twirling around in space, we are here for such a short while. And while we are visitors and passengers on this planet, stand up when others are trying to belittle and hurt others simply because their love looks differently from theirs. Don't shrink to make people comfortable. You you have to stand up and you have to say something. Because shrinking down and allowing shit to brew, that shouldn't be who you are. You you shouldn't want to be part 
of a of a planet of people who breathe and work and sleep and love and hope just like you and know that you did nothing while you were here to stand up for them. Do your part. Because I'm going to do my part. It's just like when we talked about this, I feel like I'm giving a lecture, but I swear my rant's not going to be that long. It's just like when we were talking during Black History Month. Black History Month doesn't stop at just a month. If you see somebody being racially insensitive, insensitive, fucking say something. And if you see somebody bullying somebody because they, they love differently or they're holding hands with their boyfriend or they're holding hands with their girlfriend and they come at them, yeah, shit's scary. But what's scarier? Knowing that you did nothing to help or knowing that you did your part and said, shut the fuck up. That ain't none of your fucking business. Let them do what the fuck they do. Now, I'm making this podcast and I'm telling you, I have people who I've been friends with for years that I'm no longer friends with anymore. And sad to say, it's because there are some things I can abide and there's some things I can't. The people I'm no longer friends with had every fucking commentary in the world when they knew that I was bisexual. Now, I'm not in the closet, but I don't announce it because it's nobody's fucking business. You either know or you don't. And if you do, okay. The ones that did know and weren't okay with it, bye. <laughs> I feel I felt like Powers Booth in the fucking tombstone. Bye. Because it doesn't affect you. It, it, it affects you no more than me being married to a Caucasian man in the South. Some of my family members stopped talking to me because my husband's not black. Bye. I mean, a, a wise friend here once told me if somebody leaves, if somebody unfollows you on Instagram because they don't like what you have to say, they did you a favor. And that's how I feel. If people don't, if people can't respect the decisions that you make in your life with other consenting adults, it, it then you don't need them in your life. Because you know what I just said? It's your life. Live your life. Love who you love. And be happy. That's all we want. We want to live our life, make our money, have enough money to do the things that we want to do, have enough money to do the things that we need to do, take care of our loved ones, and be fucking happy. That's it. It, it ain't it ain't that hard. But when it comes to to Pride Month, it, it's more than a month. Like I said, every every day that I'm walking out my door and I, I walk back in and I'm alive, it's black history. <laughs> so black excellence is, is truly what I feel that I've made it through the day. And you guys know what I'm talking about it, with everything going on. I'm not even going to touch on that shit right now because that's not what this episode's about. But in conclusion, that is it for my rant this time. Remember I told y'all last time y'all got away. I, I'm, I ranted your asses this time. Um, but, you know, once again, those were a few of my favorite uh, queer characters in horror. Please let me know um, on social media, Instagram, Twitter, um, who some of your favorites are, if you have any. And, um, you know, if you're homophobic and you didn't like this episode, you know what, you can skip it or, you know, you don't have to listen. That's that's fine. But I'm going I'm to be talking whether whether you like it or not that's what this episode is a very gay episode 
and I, and I'm proud of it. Pun pun fucking intended. So I'm going to wrap this up. This is it for me. Um, let me know what you liked about this episode. Let me know what you didn't like. Let me know some of your favorite queer characters in horror. And um, I think that's it. I will probably round back to do another episode talking about sex and horror. And um, I don't know what else I got planned for this month, but we shall fucking see, shall we? I will let you guys go. Huh, I feel like there was something else I wanted to say. I think that was it. I'm going to just wrap it up then. So until next time, just listen out for my voice in the darkness. And I will talk to you guys then. Bye.